So welcome back, folks, to the Blue Light podcast. I'm Brendan from Blue Light. And just to give you a flavour for what this podcast is all about, well, it focuses on police recruitment. But today's podcast is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to focus on any recruitment. Yes, any recruitment. So why am I saying this? Well, what a week it's been in the world of Blue Light. So the Facebook group, if you want to find out more about that, check out the link below. Um, it's just been growing at such a rate that I just can't believe it. There's now over 12,000 members, 12,100 and something this morning. Last month alone, 41,000 posts, comments and reactions from people all supporting each other to succeed in the police recruitment process. And this week, we've had some great news from the Nottinghamshire Constabulary, Nottinghamshire Police, uh, positive action candidates. You may be aware or may not be aware that I've been supporting them over the past several months now uh, to help Nottinghamshire Police ensure that their force is more representative of the community. So for uh, individuals who are from groups that are underrepresented in Nottinghamshire, uh, I've been supporting them uh, to succeed in the recruitment process. Now, these are people of force once, but for whatever reason, and I'm sure those reasons are complex, I know they're complex, people from certain backgrounds are more likely to be failed at the assessment centre. Now, that's a subject for a completely different podcast, but this week... 22 candidates who I've been supporting um, got the results, and 19 of them passed. 19 out of 22. The other three, out of the other three, one of them applied himself. One of them applied himself and failed, and I really feel sorry for him. But the other two just didn't apply themselves at all. And this links in with something that I just got thinking about. Um, in conjunction with some other messages of success I've had from individuals this week, where... It wasn't about the police. Now, that's the thing that really surprised me. Often I'm getting emails and messages from people to say, thank you very much, I've got my dream career in the police, I couldn't have done it without you. Actually, you might have. I just showed you the way you did the hard work. But this week, I've had um, a success story from an individual who said, do you know, I was applying for the police and I was following your course, but now I've succeeded in a graduate scheme and I'm now going to be working for... Now, I'm not going to say what company it is, it's a big corporate... Another individual um, has torn now between joining the police and joining a government um, department. Um, he's, he's, a bit, he's been a bit cagey about what the government department is, but again, he said it was it's all down to the techniques that you've shown me. I came out as being an outstanding candidate. That's how I was marked, an outstanding candidate. So I'm so pleased for him. And there's another individual got back to me to say that uh, you were giving me advice about joining the police, but actually now I'm a troop commander in the Royal Marines, and I applied all of your techniques to the recruitment process for the Royal Marines. So this got me thinking. It got me thinking. Are the skills I provide people with to join the police transferable for any sector, for any recruitment that you are going for, for any role? Oh, you have to excuse the background noise there. That's our little doggy uh, welcoming someone, I think. Um, so if you can hear some barking in the background, that's a little doggy. That's Summer, our doggy. Um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> these things happen, don't they? These things happen. So anyway, I thought what I'd do in this podcast is I'd share some of those secrets with you. What are my 10 top secrets that enable people to succeed in any recruitment process? How to pass any recruitment process without the risk of failure. 
and follow these 10 secrets, these 10 tips, and I just don't think you can go wrong. Because I think the problem with most recruitment processes is they're incredibly formulaic. And if you know the formula and know how to apply that formula, as long as you've got things to talk about in your life, and if you've been sat on your butt um, playing you know, video games all your life until two in the morning and then getting up at 12 o'clock and cracking open a beer and then maybe getting something to eat and then getting back on your video games. If you've been doing... Oh, I know it's, that's an extreme, but if you've been doing that all your life, well, I'm sorry, I don't think there's many organisations you're going to succeed in in terms of the recruitment process. There's no business, there's no government sector, there's no public sector, there's no private uh, business or organisation that owes you a living. You're going to have to work hard for it and this links in with my 10th secret so the first one uh, this is a big one actually and it's star or sal so when you go for an interview you are going to get asked questions about can you tell me about a time when and everywhere i look people keep saying use the star format use the star format and that stands for situation task action and result the problem with star though is that no one really knows the difference between task and action other than ones in the past and ones in the current tense and people can't really figure it out and they get all confused i think star is only popular because it's a word whoever came up with it is a genius they came up with something that's actually a word so you describe the situation you describe the task you were set or the task you set yourself i mean no one talks like that anyway do they so the task i set myself who talks like that uh, the actions I did, uh, and the result was, it's just not cutting it. It's just not cutting it. So against all the police competences and values, uh, the behaviours they're looking for, it doesn't really cut it. And talking to people in the industry of recruitment, so uh, psychologists, occupational occupational psychologists, what I've found is that the police competency and values framework is pretty close to what most organisations want. So it's not cutting it. So this is why a few years ago I came up with something called SAL. And it's not that different. It's just, it's got a lot of subheadings. So SAL stands for Situation Aim Action Result Learning. Uh, the situation has got many little subheadings to it. Think of each one of them like a chapter. So the uh, situation, you need to be talking about a very specific situation, a very specific moment in time where you gave uh, 120% without being asked to do so to tackle a problem that was challenging for you. And that's where you're also going to talk about the impact on you, the impact on others, impact on the organisation if this problem wasn't dealt with. On top of that, you're going to talk about how it made you feel and how you manage those emotions. The aim. What is it I was hoping to achieve? What would success look like once I've resolved this problem? And pick a problem that's involved other people. You know, choosing what university to go to or what type of car to buy. Or I've even heard people say, you know, I, I, I gave an example of a difficult decision, uh, whether I should join the police or not. No, 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 no. Give examples of where you've worked with other people because there's no industry out there that wants to hear about what, you did on your own they want to hear about how you're going to interact with other people because every role in any organization is about people so what was the aim and then you can talk about the options you considered to get to that aim and your rationale for choosing the one that you chose and now we can move into the action phase where we're going to t tell a story not just about what you did but how you did it so in my webinars i often talk about the seven levels of how um, I'll perhaps introduce you to that on another podcast. So the seven levels of how. 
this seven level levels of how works so well it works so so well to get to the granular fine detail about how you actually dealt with something Moving into the result, you know, you don't want to spend too much time on the result, but use the 80-20 principle. 80% of what you did went to plan, 20% of it didn't. Because if it all went to plan, then, you know, I'm not going to believe you. That's the thing. Or I'm not going to I'm not going to think that you chose something that was particularly challenging for you, because if it all went to plan, then it must have been easy. So I want to hear about something where it didn't go to plan. Because if it didn't go to plan, that means you've got some learning from it, and you can talk about the learning. So there you go. I spent a bit of time on this, but... This style model nails it every time. I should copyright it because it just works. The feedback I get from it is just awesome. That it's an awesome model. Uh, I've used it myself over the years and it's worked every time. So um, that's the first one. Oh my goodness, I've got nine more to get through, haven't I? I better go quickly. So the second uh, secret is making sure that if you've got situationals ahead of you, that's uh, where they'll paint a scenario for you and say, how would you manage this? What would you do? that you've got a structured approach. And this is where I'm going to borrow techniques from the police again. The national decision model is just perfect for decision-making and uh, a model called Kutzer as well. So if it's about an issue, um, a problem, utilize the national decision model. If it's about people, how would you manage this people-type scenario? Kutzer. Kutzer, Kutzer, Kutzer. Stands for confront, understand, define and summarize. Solutions assessment and monitoring and results cuts at works every day of the week it's a non-contact conflict management model that the police used to use it's something that seems to have gone into folklore now in the police sector i, I talk to new recruits and they say cuts yeah we use that in um the training that you did with us brendan to get in but no one's introduced it to us but now we're in the police it works so well uh, the third one, third secret is corporate knowledge. Oh my goodness, how many of you don't even know simple things like the name of the chief constable and what the chief constable stands for and what values they believe are important? It's not hard to find out. You know, the problem isn't resources, it's resourcefulness because there are so many resources out there to enable you to develop a really comprehensive corporate knowledge of the organisation you want to join. And you're not using them. Well, some people are, but others aren't. So there's so much social media out there. Everyone's got a footprint. Any head of any organization will have something to say, and you'll be able to find out what they stand for. Live in their shoes. Adopt their DNA. Make sure that you know more about the industry that you're going into than the person who's interviewing you. Uh, Four, number four, values, values, values. So many organizations now will ask you questions about what values are important to you. Don't do, just go blabbing off this big list that's, you know, recounting things. Recounting, is that even a word? It is now. Recounting things that are from their website. No, have a real think about this. What values are important to you? And, of course, make sure they do align to the organisation that you want to join. But then be prepared for them coming back with a question, which is, so if that value is important to you, Please, can you tell me about a time when you've demonstrated it? Oh, you could set yourself a big landmine there, couldn't you? Right, number five, uh, alignment. Alignment of your um, behaviour and values, very similar to the values question we just talked about, but how are you going to plug in? So they they are looking at you thinking, can they actually just plug in, you know, 
have we got to spend a year developing this person or are they the sort of person that's already sort of developed themselves so they can just sort of slot into our culture? You know, they know our, they seem to know our business very well. They seem to know our values. They seem to know more about my sector than I do, which is kind of embarrassing. The interviewer should be thinking, but I'm not going to let them know that. And this is about aligning yourself to the organisation that you want to join. I don't think many people do this in the police sector, and I'm convinced increasingly now that people don't think like this for joining any role, because what a lot of people are doing, I think, is they're adopting a scattergun approach, in that they're trying to apply for and succeed in applying for hundreds of different job applications. Now, if I was interviewing you, and I got this feeling that I'm just like one out of a hundred interviews, then I'm not going to take you on. So I think there's something about honing your... Um, your, your target uh, on certain organisations and not trying to spread yourself too thinly. Now, that sounds a bit bold, that, because I know so many of you out there who I've spoken to have said that I've applied for hundreds of jobs and I've not succeeded in any of them. Now, the people who I know who have succeeded have focused on just five to ten, five to ten roles in five to ten organisations and been laser-focused on preparing for those recruitment processes as opposed to the scattergun approach. Now, think about it. Do you know, if I'm going to employ someone, I want to employ someone who absolutely wants to be part of my sector, who absolutely wants to be part of my organisation that I work for, that I'm really proud of. And if I get this feeling that I'm just sort of, you know, one out of a hundred interviews and you're just using a scattergun approach, I'm not going to employ you. So think about that. Think about how you come across and whether you're going to be able to plug into that organisation. All right, we're up to, we're doing, I think we're doing good for time now. We're up to tip number six, secret number six, uh, group exercises. So there's so many organisations now will make you do group exercises, uh, perhaps because of COVID-19, not so many at the moment. Um, but you could do a group exercise conceivably via Zoom meetings. No reason why you can't. An organisation could put you through a simulated meeting because if there's going to be a lot more meetings via Zoom and uh, Microsoft Team uh, and other bits of software that allow you to do meetings and come together as a as a team, then why not put you through a simulation group exercise with other candidates? I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there because group exercises are very, very common. But how are you going to manage those? Well, again, Kudzer, the uh, non-contact conflict management model is perfect for managing any sort of problems with other people because they are going to give you as a group exercise some kind of problem to work through. But there's also something else I've developed which I call the five levels of feelings. These are questions that are just awesome questions. I'm sorry to sound a bit American there, so awesome, but they are awesome questions. Um, Just asking people questions like, so how did that make you feel? as part of a sort of mini debrief, hot debrief. How did that make you feel? Well, how do you feel about that solution? I hear what you say that you don't like that solution, that you don't think it would work, but I'm just wondering, what solution do you feel would work? And then there's the Atticus Finch moment. This is just one that I've used in my career. It nails people down. It really gets them thinking. Um, I'll tell you about Atticus, the Atticus Finch one another time because I've got to go through 10 secrets here and we're only up to number six. Um, but five levels of feelings, it's something I developed. It's uh, it's based on um, 
counseling theory <clears throat> the person said to counseling excuse me it's based on motivational interviewing techniques readiness for change for people who are uh, suffering from drug and alcohol addiction problems not that anyone would be but the techniques are so good in terms of uh, readiness for change and uh, also some appreciative inquiry. So I've thrown a load of things in there. Oh, a little bit of neuro-linguistic program as well, programming as well, uh, based on some hypnotic patterns. So words like, I'm just wondering, is a sort of word that uh, stage hypnotists will use all the time. Stage hypnotists uh, use techniques around neuro-linguistic programming. Neuro-linguistic programming, in case you weren't aware, because a lot of books don't tell you this, was developed by um, uh, John Grinder and Richard Bandler, uh, a couple of decades ago now, who actually looked at excellence in people who were brilliant at doing hypnosis. So there you go. Um, going off at such a big tangent there. So what is secret number seven? Launchpad. There are so many graduate schemes now using Launchpad. This is a way of whittling the numbers down so that you can invite the right people to the assessment centre. And what they do for that is they'll put you through this software really so there's no human interaction it's it's a system that the police are using at the moment and i've never really thought about developing techniques for passing interviews they're not really interviews because you're being asked a question and you're uploading an answer um and also things like written exercises and a how you're going to manage this type of situation uh, that's what that's what police officers are having to do at the moment. There's no human interaction at all in the process, but they're using a system called Launchpad. And a lot of graduate schemes use this as a way of whittling down the numbers. So there are techniques for the interview that's not an interview. And these techniques are just nailing it every time. Because once you know what the values and the competencies are that you're going to be assessed against, you can work backwards to source the most likely questions that you're going to ask, get asked. And then if you use the SAL process, you're going to be able to talk for about five minutes about that particular issue. And the way to practice is, without doubt, just doing something called practicing. But there's a technique to do that, uh, which is nailing it for all of my candidates. It's just this formula, um, but it takes hours and hours and hours of preparation. That's the thing. You've got to be prepared to put those hours in. But it works so time. And it's so simple, really. You just write down your answer. And then you practice uploading yourself to reading it out to the point where you can read it out almost by memory. Um, you just practice, 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 just playing back the video and, and getting over yourself in terms of how you sound and look. That's the thing that shocks most people when they do their first video and they play themselves back and they, they say to me, oh my goodness, do I sound like that? Is that what I really look like? Yes, it is. Get over yourself. So anyway, there's the, the techniques are a little bit more um, 10 minutes of explanation than that. But uh, Launchpad, there are techniques for managing the Launchpad system. And I got to speak recently to someone who actually designed some graduate schemes for big businesses. I'm not going to say which corporates they are, but what they said was they are amazed at how unprepared people are for those interview answers. They just sort of babble away about all sorts of nonsense. They've got no structure, and even though they're given five minutes to give an answer, they're finished after about two minutes, and they fail. Hey, no surprise there. So there you go. That's uh, tip number seven. Where are we up to now? Secret number eight, written exercises. So in the police sector, 
you are increasingly being set a written exercise where you have to deliver um, an answer for the, the police at the moment using Launchpad. It's uh, two hours. You're giving a scenario, and then you've got two hours to write about how you deal with it and how you'd answer certain questions in that scenario. Um, again, there are models you can utilise um, implementing parts of Kudsa, uh, but the one I like the most is uh, 5WH in a simple to complex way. So 5WH is just your basic open questions, um, but if you arrange them in a very, very simple to complex way, you can utilise that as a framework for uh, your answer to any written exercise. It's going to come across very, very structured, and any assessor is going to love it because it's not going to be trying to mark something that's rambling all over the place. And it demonstrates that you can actually put something into writing in a structured way that other people can understand. All right, so where are we up to now? 20 minutes in. I've got a few more minutes now to cover the last two points. Um, so secret number nine, uh, problem solving. I don't think there's any organisations out there that don't want people who are capable of solving problems because this is what any organisation faces now. Um, how can you solve the problems that you don't even know you're going to be facing tomorrow, never mind the problems that you're facing today? Um, and they need people who can manage problems really quite quickly and work collaboratively with other people to do that. And the police, I've got to say, are pretty good at managing problems that that uh, happen in the in the immediate here and now but when it comes to long-term problem solving they're perhaps not so good but there is so much research from the police sector and from the community safety sector about what works in problem solving that you could apply to any organization um, that it's just worth it's just worth picking up it's worth picking up so um there's a whole uh sort of movement of problem orientated policing or partnership orientated sorry uh, problem orientated anyway, pop go to the pop center it's uh run by the university of arizona if you look at um pop problem solving you'll be able to find it on the internet you'll be able to find loads and loads and loads of different models of how to manage problem solving but the most common one is uh sarah um, and this is where you need to be specific about what the situation is. So what the actual problem is, defining the problem, that's a really, really challenging thing to do. Um, that's at the heart of anything you do in terms of problem solving is just starting by spending time defining the problem. So what is the actual problem that you are dealing with? What is the situation? And they call this the scanning phase, the scanning phase. The next phase is analysis. So really good analysis starts looking at the causes of those problems and the causes of the causes. You've not even started to think about any solutions just yet. Um, the really good analysis, and that's the one thing that's often missing in the police model, and a lot of the research actually criticises the police for this, that if they did more analysis, they'd be able to implement responses that are far more tailored to the problem. And that's the next phase, is response. So how are you going to respond to that? And this is where, for the police sector, I've developed a model that I call TPAC. So already we've got our friend Sarah. Uh, we've got our friend uh, Pat. That's the problem analysis triangle that we utilise for the analysis phase, which could be adapted for any organisation. And then we've got my friend TPAC, which stands for Trust Building, Enforcement, prevention, advocacy, and communication. Now, that model could be applied, could be morphed to any organisation for how you deliver 
a response to a particular situation. So uh, trust building is always necessary. How are you going to build up the trust um, with uh, other organisations, with other people, so that you can work collaboratively? Enforcement, well, take out the word enforcement and just put in the, you know, the things that you have to actually put into place now to actually solve that problem. Uh, prevention, what are you going to do to make sure that problem doesn't occur again? Advocacy, how are you going to act as an advocate for the group that you're working with to enable them, to support them, as opposed to trying to f- do everything for them? You are an, an enabler an enabler for the group, an enabler for the people that you're working with. How can you enable them to do the best job possible? And then communication. So communicating in as, using as many different avenues with as many different people in the organisation so they know what you're doing, they know why you're doing it, and so you've not got those difficult conversations the next day. Why did you do that? What's going on there? So TPAC is something that you could morph for any organisation. How are we doing for time? Oh my goodness, almost at the end of the podcast. So that's the ninth one. The tenth secret. The tenth secret. It's so simple, this one. Practice. Just practice. The people who were successful going all the way back to Nottinghamshire Police um, and the results that we've got through this week, I know a lot of them. I know a lot of them well because I've spoken to them on the phone. We've had uh, Zoom sessions. They've been on the webinars. Um, I've seen what they've been uploading in terms of their practice into the private Facebook groups that are set up for the various webinars. These people have practiced so much and then they practice more and they keep practicing until they've perfected all of the skills that are required to ace the assessment process. So there's no big secret here, folks. You know, I will show you the way. You've got to do the hard work. And it is hard work. Advice like just act naturally and just be yourself is not going to cut it for any organisation these days. Practice, practice, practice. But knowing what to practice is important. And in the nine other secrets, there it was. There's loads of stuff there. Now, if you're listening to this thinking, oh, Brendan, you've not covered X, Y and Z that this organisation wants, then please do let me know. Or if you've got any comments and questions about anything I've said, please do let me know. It's uh, info at bluelightconsultancy.com. And if you're thinking, actually, you're so wrong, Brendan, what you should be doing is, then please do get in touch with me. I'd love to talk to you. And if you have used these techniques and they've been successful for you, please do drop me a line. I'd love to hear from people who are saying, actually, Brendan, I think you're wrong. And I'd love to hear from people saying, Brendan, you were so right and I've been successful. It's more the latter that I get every day. And that's what drives me. That's what keeps me going. It's an absolute privilege and honour to help support you to succeed in your police journey. And actually, increasingly now, I'm thinking in any journey, how to pass any recruitment process without the risk of failure. Oh, my goodness. What if that was true? How how are you going to pass any recruitment process without the risk of failure. Well, that's something I'm going to start working around over the next several months, next several weeks, next several days, actually. This is something that I think has got a lot of value. There's 32 years of experience behind me here in terms of tutoring people, supporting people. I went back to university to study a master's in education where I focused on personnel evaluation systems. I mean, what a geek. I mean, I've got all of this experience, so why shouldn't I apply it to any sector to help you achieve your dream and ultimately get that career get that job in times that are just incredibly challenging 
and you're going to be up against a lot of stiff competition. You've just got to be better than everyone else. And that sounds cliche, but you've got to be better than everyone else. Those 10 secrets, I can't see how they're not going to help you nail any recruitment process. So there you go, folks. I hope you found this podcast useful today. Slightly longer than normal. My apologies. But we had a lot to pack in there, didn't we? So 10 secrets. If you'd like to join in the big conversation about um, recruitment, I'm just going to say recruitment now. So come and join the Blue Light Facebook support group for recruitment. Normally I put the word police in there, don't I? But come and join us anyway and see what we've got to say. And if you are applying for any other sector then let us know. Let us know how we can help you in that group. Remember, there are over 12,000 people in that group. A lot of them are serving police officers. A lot of them are uh, in HR and recruitment already, and they are there to support you, there to help you. That's why we've got over 40,000 posts, comments, and reactions in just one month. So the way to find out, follow the link in the blurb attached to this podcast. I'm Brendan from Blue Light, and I will look forward to sharing some more tips about recruitment, probably focusing more on police recruitment again next week, but who knows? But I look forward to um, meeting you online again via the magic of podcast next week. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Mm-hmm.